Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Dan, coming to you for episode 101. I got to get used to saying the triple digits now. So as always, if you want to listen to this one, as well as our 100 plus episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating or a review. We always appreciate those. And uh, so with that being said, it's season review time for us. We've got no games to talk about, but we've got old games to talk about. So let me bring in the crew here of Sam Lepresi. Hello, Sam. It's the most... No, it's not a wonderful no, time this not. year. No, it's not. No, it's not. No. As we've discovered, it's the, the first week of the, se- of the off season, and well, guess what? <laughs> There's a yep. whole lot of speculation. Yeah, and all we and and tomorrow we get to watch two teams that we absolutely despise play for the Champions League final. So, Hooray! Hooray! That's right. Although I guess congrats Roma, like yes. you know. And I I I wonder how Bren's been. He's he must steaming, be happy. He's steaming his broccoli like usual. <laughs> We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Steaming broccoli. Yeah, yeah. I always steam my broccoli on very uh, low. Very little bit of water. And recipes always tell you to like add like a gallon of water, and I'm like, no, like then all the nutrients go away. So I always have like very low heat and then very little bit of water, and just kind of. Well, I'll these. make sure to I'll make sure to see yeah. how Brand steams his broccoli, and then yeah. maybe you guys yeah. can can collaborate on something. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean nutrients, man. We're all right. nutrient deficient, probably. Nutrients, man. <laughs> nutrients, man. There's your there's our podcast episode. Only yeah. a couple a couple minutes. In. That's Chuck's that's Chuck's new catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here, uh, as always. That looked fun. Roma winning a, a Continental Trophy looked fun. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you know, <laughs> would you rather once again crash in the round of 16 or maybe win the UEFA World Conference League? That looked fun. I hope that that one day that that is us. And just in case you were wondering, you know, the general ambience of, of everyone in the pod, we've been talking another team winning a, co- a conference title and steamed <laughs> vegetables. So it's, it's all like just energy levels at an all time high. Like we're hyped, we're pumped, ready to go. The, the off season is off to a raring start. Let me tell you. It's just, you can feel the excitement. <laughs> That's right. Well, as is the norm these days with this podcast, since we are approaching off season review number three here, the categories have not changed. We are still very much going to do uh, MVP, LVP, biggest surprise and biggest disappointment. So we'll start off with, I don't know, should we just go MVP first, fellas? Yeah. Start positive. Start positive. All right. Well, Chuck's out of the way before everything, uh, before everything else goes to hell. That's right. (laughs) Chuck's, Chuck's wants positive talk. So we'll start positive talk. MVP Chuck, since you want to be Mr. Positive, who's your MVP of the 2021-2022 season for Juventus? I'll get the I'll get the ball rolling then. And uh, yeah, thank you for pin, putting me in first, putting me at the, the head of the table. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, my, I mean, my my MVP and, you know, it's it's always tricky with these season reviews where it's, where it's like, you know, you got to think of like, okay, obviously I have my main answer, but then I want to think of what will you guys have picked? So I'm like, okay, they would probably pick this player and that player. And then, you know, obviously we don't want to go double like we, or we can't. Those are the rules of the game. Um, but anyway, I'll kick it off with, um, yeah, Juan, Juan Cuadrado. I think he was, uh, to me, the MVP just for sheer consistency, I think. And relative also to how many minutes he played. I mean, he played, 
I mean, I don't have the exact numbers with me on hand right now, but from memory, I mean, I think he basically played 80% of games probably throughout the season. And, you know, I mean, man is not getting much younger, you know, he's in his thirties now and he's still like, you'd think this would be kind of the part of, usually it is the part of one season when you're, you know, or part of one's career rather when, yeah, you start kind of declining, start kind of winding down and, you know, start kind of looking towards either retirement or towards uh, a last hurrah somewhere at some obscure club somewhere. And then, and then winding down your career. But now Cuadrado is still absolutely competing. I mean, he is still playing at a high level and still just shows that he's more than anything, just very dependable and very, very, you know, consistent. And again, like, lest we, for, in case we forget, you know, Cuadrado's natural position isn't even right back. I mean, it's, it still was like, you know, his career started out as a right winger. And to make such a transition from, you know, such an attacking position to, Gradually, you know, he started all the way up front on the right wing and then kind of went right, right mid and just gradually went back uh, down the field. And, you know, considering that, like, that is such a career transition for him. I mean, I think he deserves all the all the plaudits, not just for this season, but just for his Juve career in general. All right. Let's go with Sergio next. Who you got? Yeah, so as, as this tradition, I, I have to go with the, the person who, who also won the, the craft bag MVP. And it's it's Paulo Dybala. You know, it's Paulo Dybala, even though he, he missed 16 games or something like that. You know, he finishes the season leading the team in goal scored uh, for, for a Juve player to play the whole season. Obviously, Dusan Blachowicz had more overall, but not as a Juve player. So he, he leads the team in goals. Uh, he had a bunch of assists. I, I don't know how many. I don't have the number in front of me, but he remained, uh, you know, an incredibly important part of the team. Whenever he took the pitch, he was always one of the, you know, best two, three players on the field. And for a team that once Federico Chiesa went down, just lacked, just lacked someone who could generate up front, just someone who had that spark, that that creativity, that that's something else, you know, to be the offensive fulcrum of the team. He was the only one that had that. And more often than not, I, I thought he delivered. I thought that he played really, really well when the team needed it. Uh, obviously, he's gone now. Uh, we already talked about that a whole bunch. Second year in a row that the grab bag MVP leaves the club immediately after winning it. So that's that's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I still think he was key in this, in this team. And, you know, despite the lackluster season, I thought he was one of the bright spots. And you know, once again, obviously this is different than with Ronaldo because Ronaldo was such a, you know, big, you know, heavy, heavy. He, he, like, he just took so much attraction from the team and he was such a focal point that I think it was a disbalance for this season when it started. I think it's going to be, to a lesser extent, but I think the team is also going to struggle to adapt unless they make some, you know, signings that really kind of help make up that that hole that is being left for Dybala because you're still, again, losing your leading scorer, losing your most creative player, one of your most attackly focused players. Now, what are you going to do? So it's really going to be interesting to see in the summer who they bring in to replace that that offensive creativity that really when, when you saw this team play without Dybala, you were like, Jesus, there's no one here that can make that extra pass, that can make that extra dribble, that can, that can just figure out how to crack up on an offense. And, and I think that's why we struggled so much scoring goals this year because, you know, when they didn't have Dybala, they really didn't have anyone else that could do what he does. And I, I think he had a really good season. I, I hope they could have sent him away with a trophy, but, you know, it is what it is. That is life. 
But yeah, that is my MVP, Paulo Dybala. Second, second MVP in growth that leaves the club. So let's let's hope let's hope that the third one is is not the same. All right, Illuminati Sam. confirmed. <laughs> Sergio <laughs> predicts the future. <laughs> I was going to say you better. I was going to say you better not make the lick the MVP next year. Um, they, now uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that I that the person that I had initially that was on the top of my list got to me. Uh, I'm going with Danilo. He was. As you said, Chuck's the, the consistency was there. The you know he was he was out for a little bit in the middle of the season, but for for the most part, the availability was there, and he just filled every need that was necessary. You know, obviously playing it right back when the the midfield was so shot through with uh, with injuries towards the end of the season, and he stepped into the midfield again the same way he did last year and turned into and and proved himself to be while not somebody that I would ever want to be playing in the midfield long, you know, long-term, because that would say a couple of things about player development and player, player recruitment. That's the word I was looking for. He's a solid emergency option there. He's a solid stopgap and he's just a, he's a solid player overall. He has been, he has been a really, really good uh, addition to this team for, and you know, there, you know, there will, he will always have the, you know, certain people barking up the, the Joao Cancelo tree of you know oh my god well Cancelo is is this and this and this well Danilo does in my opinion a little bit more than Cancelo uh just in terms of overall all over the pitch certainly is a better defender than Joao Cancelo and I don't think we are where we are without him I I really think that there is a there, there it's really questionable whether or not Juventus manages the top four uh if they don't have a guy that is that dependable that is that able to to do the work and and do it well almost all the time so yeah i'm going with danilo should i uh should i hop in on this what do you yes think? yes if you like <laughs> you don't often get you don't get too often we want to hear your voice <laughs> all right well you you brought him up recently and i'm actually surprised chucks didn't go with his countrymen so i will say matthias delict simply because i f- I, and I've said this line before, I fear to imagine what Juventus' defense would have, would have been like this season without him. And it's fairly ironic that in his best season with Juventus, you've got now, you know, the ones who are uh, seeing the rumors of Delict possibly leaving in the next year or two saying, we need to rescue him from Juventus and revive his career. It's like, well, his, his career is going just fine. And this season... Really proved it, and obviously, as we saw, uh, there are still the <laughs> the mistakes that creep into his play. But I think this was overall um, his strongest season by far, and you can see that he, you know, as much as Leonardo Bonucci is the captain by designation, that um, more and more Delict has become a leader of this defense. And I also enjoyed in the. Uh, season finale that Delict also uh, got to throw it back a few years to his youth days and got to play as a a right winger of sorts. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> so yeah, we shall now go uh, opposite of MVP, and that is LVP. Chucks, would you like to go first again? Wait, don't we? Uh... Oh, don't we do yeah. a snake? snake? Don't we do a snake? That's right. We do do a snake. Yeah. So I get to go now. Sorry, we get lost on the snake. I got lost in the snake. That's right. <laughs> the head of the I, snake off. I forgot what the serpentine was. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, my LVP. 
do I want to tee it up for other people to make jokes or should I be the be the uh, selfish one? <laughs> hey, hit me with that funky beat, man. <laughs> the film power of, of this award is that there's so many to choose. I know. Like there's yeah. literally like yeah. everyone's going to have their choice. I will unfortunately and this is partly due to injury. I will unfortunately go with Kyle George because we barely saw him play this season. Yeah. yeah. Like like if you're looking for just at the definition of least valuable player, I don't know what actual value Kyle George brought at least on the field this season. Yeah, let's hope he's back next season. I mean, let's hope he stays. Period. I mean, yeah. who knows? There was a a picture when uh that I saw when when the the players were were doing the the thing with Dybala when they were hoisting him into the air and Kyle George was was kind of standing on the on the outer periphery of that and I was kind of shocked because given the degree of his the and the severity of the injury that he had I was kind of surprised that he was walking unassisted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe he had a brace on under his uh, under something, but like, yeah, that that was a surprise to me. It's over to you, Samuel. Uh, for me, I, I have to go Alexandro. It, it's just there's nothing really there with him anymore. You know the the mistakes. You know he he he's good for like three or four flagrant game losing mistakes a season. Now the Supercopa obviously was just I don't know what he was doing. And he doesn't bring the kind of, you know, his, those first two years, he brought such an offensive presence to, to that flank. And that's, that's kind of evaporated out of his game. He, you know, he doesn't seem to have the same burst. He doesn't seem to have the same, you know, he doesn't seem to have any, any real oomph to his game. And it just, you know, it, it, he's obviously not Marco Motta bad, but like, it's, it's still just not, there's not anything there to look at and say, yeah, Sandro did great. And the problem with that is that he's still, he was still nominally the big game starter this year. You know, Luca Pellegrini made some inroads and did some, some good things, but he, here's a guy who is getting the starters minutes at left back and just isn't doing much with them other than hurting the team. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of time for him to, to leave. I've heard some, I heard an inter. I heard a, a an, un, an unfortunate report yesterday that Sandro is actually not willing to countenance going, and that his agents want to run down his contract and take him as a free next year. I hope that doesn't turn into another Sammy Kadira situation. But yeah, it, that I just I I can't. There was there was nothing value added for him at all this season. He did. I don't even think he scored a goal this season, and it was just such a weird weird year all around but for for Sandro I think this was this was the nadir of of what had of the collapse from what had once been such a promising you know we thought we had a guy that was going to be challenging to be the best at that position in the world for a long long time and ever since Cardiff he's not been that the same player that that Coppa Italia final goal has apparently still been credited to Sandro which I thought it was really? I thought yeah I thought Morata would have gotten it but I thought Morata t- Morata according to live score live score is still credited it to Sandro so yeah, yeah, let's, you know, let's find somewhere else that contradicts live score <laughs> yeah, right. yeah yeah bring it to the dubious goals panel I still say on the Premier League so I'm I'm next and and you know I'm, <laughs> it's funny because I'm sticking very much to my brand so MVP Paulo Dybala and LBP to the shock of nobody uh Matias De Siglio it is my <laughs> personal goal in life to to run Matias De Siglio out of town and 
And listen, I, you know, obviously he had that one shining moment against Roma. That was great. That was awesome. He had one good moment. Uh, but it, it just, he, to me, he's just a symptom of something that has, you know, that has little by little just been a huge part of the decline of this team from the heights of, of Cardiff to right now. And that is just trotting out these guys, these types of players that are just there, that are just average, that at best, at best, they're going to give you average performance. And and to me, that is Matias de Sigli. Like, even at his best, he's just an okay player. And when you have too many of those guys in your team, there is a ceiling to where you can go as a squad. And, and to me, Matias de Sigli just exemplifies that to a T. Like, he's a guy that they tried to unload. They, they, they loan him out even. Like, he was on his way out of the club. And for whatever reason, be it financial, be it Max Allegri coming back, uh, you know, being that they just needed a warm body to be a backup fullback and he was already under contract, you know, whatever it may be, he was just a guy that that there was no real reason for him to get minutes other than there was no one else available. And Juventus had so many of those guys in the past couple of years, and we're just giving minutes to a guy because he's there and because he was the only one available. And Matteo De Silva at this point is, is a dude has relatively flexible he can be sometimes average. He's mostly injured, but he's there. He's already under contract, so we're going to play him. And, you know, just there's no real reason for him to continue to get it minutes at Juventus. Like, you can get that production from, like, Luca Pellegrini. He's a young guy that they're trying. They they're really, really want to get rid of. And he was just better than Mattia De Silva at every single facet of the game. And it's just crazy to me that even Gianluca Fabrota, who... I don't think was the greatest thing, but was he really worse than Matias Sigli? He wasn't, and he at least was there, and he wasn't injured, and he was a young was, player. Yeah. I would say he was, yeah. You know, you know, we, we can disagree, but at the very least, they're in the very same sector. Like, I don't think one blew the other one out of the water. And for about this, at least young, at least he has upside. Like, you know, with with the Sieglers, like, you're throwing the same guy out there to get minutes. And he is who he is at this point. And I just don't see why he continues to get minutes. Is he awful? No, he's usually not. Is he good? Not really. So why the hell are we still playing him? Uh, there are rumors that, you know, we might renew him. And some people are going to say, well, he's a fine depth player. Sure, he is. But, I mean, that's just uninspiring. Like, how many other really top teams in Europe can you say that their bench is just full of okay guys? Like, Really, if you want to be an elite team, you have to have good players on your bench. And we just seem content with just having guys, just guys, just dudes, just average, average, average players. And that is the CQ, an average, average player. And it's just crazy to me that we can't get someone who at least has upside, who at least has the potential to develop, who at least brings something else to the table. Uh, you know, it just, it feels like a symptom of what's so wrong with the way Juventus have built their teams in the last few years. And and that is why why he's my my LBP. But kudos on that Roma goal. That was, that was awesome. That was, I mean, <laughs> I hope he, I hope he bought, you know, the, the, the sports newspapers in Italy after that with the picture and he frames them and he can tell his grandchildren about it. Like it's going to be awesome for him. Kudos, but I, I'm really done with him in a defensive jersey. All right, Chucks. Well, you've got a, a host of players to choose from. Go ahead. 
Sure do. And uh, and yeah, I mean, on the Chilio thing, it's, yeah, it is interesting just having like another, like in terms of bench, like if the alternative is just better to have a young player who's at least defensively as good. I mean, to me, the priority of a fullback is always just being able to defend. If you can provide a little bit of offensive output, then that's great, but at least being able to defend. So yeah, I don't know if we could get a young player who's as good defensively as him, well, that'll be nice. But anyway, yeah, my uh, LVP, um, despite his brief uh, kind of glimmer of hope that he had uh, about halfway through the season that made us think like, oh, you know, maybe there's still something there. Maybe we can extend his contract, but eventually didn't. Uh, yeah, it was uh, one of the wings, the mighty wings of Fede, which is, yeah, Federico Bernardeschi. Um, <laughs> you're waiting for that, weren't you? <laughs> you're waiting, uh, waiting in, in the wings, huh? 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got these all day. Um, but, but no, uh, Bernadeschi, you know, again, despite that brief glimpse of like, I don't know, what was it four or five games where he was like, I mean, he, he was pretty good, I thought, you know, he was he had some good performances. And where we all kind of, uh, I mean, we, we all got pretty excited. I think we were all like, you know, hey, maybe there's a contract extension there. Maybe there's like that contribution from now to the end of the year that, you know, he can provide that extra, like kind of like a new signing. Like I always say, it's kind of a cliche, you know, but like when bench players that you kind of written off suddenly become good <laughs> and then you're like, wow, it's like a new signing. Because it really is. I mean, it's like a player that you would essentially discount it entirely. And then it's, you know. It's like you've written off an asset and it just comes back to life. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bernadeschi, I mean, he just didn't really, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to really think of any notable contributions he had this season. Uh, he had a decent amount of minutes, I think, due to injuries mostly. Um, of course, Chiesa being injured, uh, the main issue there, just our main, you know, star player on the wing being injured. But yeah, I mean, he had a decent amount of minutes and I mean, again, offensively, he had that, Pretty good goal, very technically, very well executed goal against uh, Fiorentina in the Coppa Italia. But yeah, I mean, besides that, uh, you know, if you're a winger, you're really the onus is on you, especially given the injury of you know Chiesa. The onus is on you to provide that that attacking spark to then provide so little. I mean, it's unfortunately again. I mean, I like the man. He's you know he's a good guy. He's a good professional, but he just. This season, he just had, I mean, extremely little to negligible contribution, really, uh, to the team. And yeah, again, it's despite that brief little glimpse where we thought, oh, we might we uh, extend his contract. Well, we're not <laughs> going to. So, you know, he, yeah, he had a difficult time at Juve. At the end of the day, I, I, I mean, I feel for him. I think he got, you know, hard done just by the fact that, again, he just never, well, very rarely got to play his actual position. And then, yeah, I feel bad for him in that sense. You know, that wasn't fair. It wasn't a fair test. You know, he wasn't able to really show really was as a player. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I sympathize with him on that one. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I guess it's just, you know, time to say our goodbyes and I wish him the best. But, yeah, it was a difficult time for him at Juve. And, and also, this again, a difficult season for him. But, um, I mean, I think when he played, he just was, again, kind of like with the Chilio, he was like, just okay. He was like, average but again as a winger as an attacking winger you're supposed to really give that extra like attacking spark especially that creative spark and yeah it wasn't really there but again i mean you know i wish him the best and you know again i think he was always just a good professional and just a good guy so 
and uh, he plays some mean guitar. I know that. <laughs> according, to, according to Instagram, anyway, which I'm not on. But, uh, yeah. Word on the fly. Word on the, word on, word on, word on the street. Is that it? Uh, yes, word on the street. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, you know where I am. How did we go through that entire category without saying the name Artur? I mean, I, I I actually figured someone would say it. But, I mean, I wasn't gonna say it because I don't know. I still the thing is like yeah. there's so many guys to choose from. Like <laughs> you know, MVP was like if they take my pick, I'm screwed. Like there's no one else to go with. And and LVP was like whoever I get is fine. Like there's just so many guys to choose from. It's like, but yeah. I, there's still there's still one more category where that guy can fit. So yeah. we can wait. I'm sure I'm sure he'll come up. There are only so many choices and so many of us. And unfortunately mm-hmm. for us, there are more choices than us. So, mm. man, well, wax poetic, man. Just one one thing about Bernadeschi. Uh, the guys at Viola Nation, Viola Nation, make it more a little easier to understand what I'm saying. Uh, they had me on their podcast before the season finale, and they, when they were done asking me questions, I turned a question on them, and I said, "Are they?" I basically asked them, "Are they surprised that Bernadeschi has basically turned into this completely average at best player?" And, you know, it's a little easier to say five years down the road that, you know, I, I never really thought much of him to begin with. But I think from Tito and Mike's point of view, you know, they never really thought of him kind of as the superstar potential that Chiesa has. And obviously, you know, there are a whole lot of conditions that go into a player's development over a five-year span. But, yeah, it's it's definitely kind of, you know, I think in a way Fiorentina fans are having the last lap because, you know, Bernadeschi left in a not-so-great manner. And now he, you know, ends his Juventus career leaving on a free transfer and uh, doing so in the very opposite kind of fashion with a farewell as uh, Giorgio Chiellini and Paolo Dybala did. So that's that's always that's always interesting. And it's always kind of see interesting to have the chance to talk to people who watched, uh, the, you know, a young player grow up at their club. And then obviously, as we saw, Bernadeschi kind of hit the skids in terms of development and Unfortunately for us, that post-Euro bu- uh, bounce was uh, short-lived. So, well, should we continue with the negative or go back to the positive? <laughs> nah, let's, let's, let's stay on the negative. Let's let's, let's end on the positive. Let's end on the positive. Yeah. On, yeah. on a high note. All right, Chuck, you got it. All right. Well, who who is your biggest disappointment? So I, I was actually going to pick him for the LVP, but I thought it's I thought it was, I could speak better to him on the disappointment side but yeah it's Moise Keane for me um I, you know I, I kind of I mean I've talked about him throughout the season and just kind of my indeed disappointment um but I don't know it's just it, I really had high hopes for him coming back to Juve um for a relatively high price tag from Everton technically um but you know based on his time at PSG I really felt like wow you know he's done I thought he did extremely well given how few minutes he had at the time. And just the fact that he was indeed a backup player to, you know, star-studded side, um, as always at PSG. And, you know, he just, yeah, he grabbed a pretty good amount of goals and assists back then. And, you know, I thought coming back to Juve, okay, he might not be the star center forward. And this is before Vlaovic came, of course. But, um, you know, he might not be like the star center forward, but he could definitely challenge Moata for uh, the center forward position and, or otherwise just provide very good contributions coming off the bench as he did with PSG. And, you know, 
he, I mean, he clearly just didn't. Um, besides his, you know, useful goals against uh, Roma and Sassuolo, it was, um, which were extremely important goals. But besides those, I mean, I just, yeah, he really just, just didn't come off at all with Juve. His shift to the left wing sort of temporarily helped. But then, of course, we had Morata shift to the left wing, which, well, helped him more. So obviously he got the pick there. And yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just, it feels like a, just a very frustrating kind of career stagnation right now for him. Obviously, he's still like, what, 22, I think, or 20, I think 22. Um, so he's obviously still very, very young and very much at the beginning of a career, but he started so early, you know, he came to like to the forefront of Juve so early. But yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he's just been frustrating just for how little he's been able to contribute from the bench and 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 I remember saying this multiple times throughout the podcast this season that um, when again this is pre Vlaovic and and also kind of pre Morata shifting to the left wing, but you know I remember saying like Morata is or was slash is kind of a streaky center forward, so you know there is a big opportunity there for Moise Keane to challenge Morata for like that center forward spot. Like it's not like you're you know you have like Kylian Mbappe in front of you and then it's like okay you know I'm never like I can. I just not not going to be able to challenge for that, but Morata, I mean, was I mean, he was there for the picking to get that center forward spot, and I was always kind of waiting for Keane to do it, but just never really did. And um, yeah, just hugely dis- disappointing for me, especially considering like how much we struggled in attack this season. Um, that really kind of just yeah, that just yeah disappointed me. And you know, again, just continuing from my previous pick of Bernadeschi, Bernadeschi and Keane, just you know two important attacking players just not contributing really very much to the team. Um, yeah, might explain just our struggles uh, with scoring goals uh, last season or this season, last season. I don't know. Do I get to say last season now, I guess? <laughs> I don't know. What you got, Sergio? For me, the, the biggest disappointment is let, let's get spicy because I, I don't think this, this is necessarily his fault. But to me, is Denis Zakaria. I really thought that when that signing was announced, I had that you know, uh, underrated, you know, Juve Twitter after dark take that he was going to be more impactful than Blahovic even. Like, because he, he felt on paper such a glaring need for this team. That that natural central midfielder position that has been missing from this team for so long. Like, it really seemed like he was just a, a clear-cut player that could fill that position. And, that uh, you know, could I mean, just so many things seem to fix themselves with a guy like him and the team. And, you know, that, that, that could push Manuel Locatelli a little bit more up front. That could just put Adrian Rabiot in his natural position. They could finally play a very natural, straightforward 4-3-3. Like, it just it seemed so there for him to make such a big impact. And he played a couple of games, he got hurt, and he kind of never really took off after that, right? A lot of it has to do with, with Allegri just deciding to play him on a box-to-box role, which to me is probably one of the biggest... Uh, you know, criticisms I have of him on this season that just refusing to play him at, on his natural position. And, and he just never quite made the impact that, that I thought he would do. And, you know, this is a bit unfair on him because he was a January signing. Uh, like I said, he got hurt. So a lot of the missed times is not really his fault. And, and even when he was on the pitch, I, I still, I still think he was misused. So it's not a lot on him. But just from, you know, what I thought he would do and what I thought he could bring 
to the table to what we actually got from, from Denis Zakaria is, is, is tough. It's tough because I really, really thought that he would be such a major, major part of that Juve, you know, second second half overhaul, and it just never really happened. Uh, I'm still not throwing, like, the, the towel on him. This is a little bit different to what uh, Chuck was saying about Keane. What, I mean, it seems like he's gone, and it seems like he never quite figured it out. But with Zakaria, I think if he has a full off season, if they finally play him in, in the right position with some of the transfer rumors and, and everything, I, I still think he's in a good position to succeed and, you know, in the long run, be, a, be an impactful player for this team. But from what we saw on this season and from what the expectations of, of many, including myself, were, I, I think he was probably my biggest disappointment. All right, Samuel. You want to get it? You want to get spicy? Let's get spicy. Mm, bring the heat. My my biggest disappointment is Dusan Lavic. Oh, I was thinking about doing that too. Yeah, and, I figured someone would. <laughs> and well. it is, um, and and it's partially. I mean, it, it it is partially not fair to him because between injuries and the way Allegri plays, which just stifles off at his own offense. The chances were started to become few and far between for him. I get that. But there were games where it became so easy to make him completely disappear just by being physical with him. And it happened way too much against defenders that it should not have been happening against. Like when you look at, at a game like, you know, like the, the dark, like, you know, the games against Inter when you're dealing with Screenyar, that's one thing. Because Screenyar is one of the better defenders in the game. Or a, a really good a young up-and-coming guy like like uh like Layson Bremer at Torino did the exact same thing to him. Bremer is really good. He's going to make Torino a lot of money this year. But then you've got guys like like Luca Bani against Genoa in you know one of those you know the one of those late games of the year or uh, not Luca Mattia Mattia Bani and he did the same thing and that is something that needs to change from Dusan Vlaovic this year in, in in the coming season and seasons beyond because if you can if you cost 70 80 million euros and you can be physicaled out of the game that easily you are not worthy of what you came in as so like i said there were mitigating circumstances but there was also things about him that really worried me and they need to get cleaned up can i make a quick comment on flavich um before you move on the t danny um, yes, yeah the, the, the thing that's weird with flavich is like like you said sam with the little physical like you know the physicality stuff of it and then it, the thing that is really strange to me is that I understand if he came from a different league and then like, you know, struggled with like the physicality of it, but it's like, he just moved within the league. So it's like, you know, this, like you already know you, you being Vlavich, like, you know, you already know how like these defenders work. You played against most of them already at least once. So it's just strange to me that, 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 that happened so much. And, you know, which suggests to me that it's something about the way you, they played that might've just hurt him in that way. I don't know. It's it's something I've been thinking about. It just I just don't get it. It's like you know, you've, if you're moving from one Italian team to the other, you've been in the league for a while. You should already know how these defenders work. And you know, we've yeah, 
you already have experience with them. So it's, yeah, it's very, very strange, but we'll see what happens next season. I, I think it was a lot well, what Sam said, that I think the style just didn't suit him. And because he had so few chances, the chances that he had, he just pressed and he was kind of on tilt. And he tried to do too much. And, and I think defenders started to kind of caught up to catch up on that and, and, you know, started to kind of be very physical with him. And because he was so on tilt, that he pushed the issue and he, he just kind of got, got, got marked out out of the game. I, 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 I feel the same way with him and Sakari. I think it was, you know, it was a bad semester all around. Just for, forget about it and, and start new next year. I still, I still think he will develop into a very good player. But, but I agree with Sam, actually. I, I thought, you know, for all the hype, I, I thought he kind of under-delivered a little bit. The thing that annoys me the most is how he'll fall down to the ground and always look at the referee. Like, that stuff drives me yeah. nuts. It's like, that, uh, it's like, okay, I get it. Sometimes, you know... He does that a little too much. Like, yeah, yeah that's, that, a, that's really annoying. That, that's a telltale sign of a guy on tilt, of a guy yeah. pushing it. Like, I mean, a guy frustrated. And he's a big enough boy that he can get through a lot of the contact that actual that he actually does that with. Yeah, yeah. Well, gentlemen, you you gave me the the clear path to who I've wanted to pick all along. <laughs> oh, <dang laughs> so he's actually been mentioned a few times over the last few minutes, and I will. Uh, not go with actually somebody who plays on the field. I'll go with the guy uh, who fills out the starting lineups, and that will be Max Allegri. Because he was he, I, I, I came close to doing that myself. Yes, I'm surprised you didn't, and thank you yeah, for not. I'm because shocked you, you didn't. Too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was, I, I thought that was very on brand, like me picking Matteo De Silio. I thought that definitely like he's gonna pick Max Allegri, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And obviously, this squad is far from the kind of squad that Max had in his last season, uh, the last season of his, his first tenure, but just the overall quality in which he went about it. I mean, we saw it just, you know, one goal and then hunker down. Uh, this team had enough talent, whether it was before Vlaovic or after Vlaovic arrived to certainly score more than the amount of goals that they did. I, I think this was the fewest goals that Juventus scored since the uh, appropriately named Dark Ages when Juventus <laughs> finished in seventh place in back-to-back -back seasons. So uh, for a team that finished fourth place to score that few goals, uh, it, it definitely speaks to, yeah, sure, there were some inconsistencies up front, but it also is a reflection on what the manager did and how he approached games. And, you know, we were tempted towards the middle of the season, whereas, and we talked about it on this podcast where, you know, maybe that switch to a four, two, three, one for a couple of games was, was Max Allegri's come to Jesus moment. And kind of like the light went on kind of like how it did uh, before they made their run to the champions league final, when you switched to the four, two, three, one. But as we saw that, didn't happen and it was still very much defend 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 any lead at all costs and unfortunately for Juventus not all of those leads were held and look no further than the Champions League ouster or the two-legged tie against Villarreal where you know it was Dusan Vlaovic 30 something seconds in and then you are trying to defend for nine for essentially 90 minutes so uh, Max Allegri I think I yeah, the Copa final as well, right? So you know, I try to stay as positive as I could be when it comes to Max, but when you look at the overall picture, it was uh, a very disappointing return to Juventus for him, and unfortunately, 
you know, we we won't know until it actually happens that things might get better for Allegri in terms of how he plays and having this team play a little more open than how, how they have this past season. So, you know, we're going to wait a few months and hopefully the return of Federico Chiesa allows him to play a little more open, hopefully a, a midfield that's a little more creative and a little more offensive minded can allow that to happen. But this, yeah, this season to, to score as few goals as they did with the players that they had was, uh, yeah, it was, it was tough to watch. And I, I am certainly not alone in that notion. And the thing, and the thing about it for me too, is that it was not only was he doing it, he was doing it against teams. He should not have been doing it against. Yeah. Like why? like, why are you suddenly defending for dear life when you go up one nil against Venezia? <laughs> like, Tremble against the mighty Venezia. <laughs> is Mattia Aramu that much of a, 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 apparently, because he scored in both games against us, is Mattia Aramu that much of a destructive force in, in, in Serie A that you have to score your one goal against, against Venezia in their 9,000-seat stadium and then just hold on for dear life? Like, come on now. Yeah, it does seem, I mean, that, that it does seem that his style or brand of football, I don't want to say it's like, you know, not working anymore, but, or like completely useless, but I, uh, the, he, he's got to come up with something different because I think his, the way he's, you know, yeah, again, his style of football now or style of coaching or style of putting his teams, telling his teams to play uh, is, it's not really keeping up with the times and it's clearly just not effective anymore and you know i defended him a lot but he's got to do something different he's got to evolve his coaching a little bit because um sure it was very effective in this first you know first spell at the team or first spell at the club but yeah now it just seems like i don't know football's moved on and left left his style of football just behind really and it's just not and we know he's yeah, capable working. of others of 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 more than this we've seen yeah it. yeah yeah sure yeah that's the thing that makes it the most infuriating of all is that we have seen this from him. We have seen him, you know, go two or three goals up against a team and then pull it back the way he pulls it back, which is a much more different proposition than trying to hang in. It's, you know, it, it feels like ever since Cardiff, he's been coaching from a position of fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you can't do that. You can't coach to not, you cannot coach to not lose. Because you will not win. Yeah, and the irony is, it's like that becomes almost riskier than like co- coaching to you know to win. Like you know the the usual justification for like kind of that style of play is like okay, it's risk averse, it's safer, it's like safer than you know going gung ho and attack. But this ends up being, frankly, what I've noticed with Juve this year, it ends up being riskier because you just you're sustaining pressure for so long during a game that it's just yeah, I mean it's pretty untenable and and. You know, I, I'm not wanted to like say that, oh, we should play like, you know, go fully to the other side of the spectrum and play like Liverpool and go, you know, guns blazing and Manchester City and, you know, all that kind of like extravagant attacking football. I mean, definitely not. But there, I mean, there has to be a little bit more uh, initiative and, and going forward next year, there has to be more initiative. There has to be more positive or, or proactivity, I think, proactivity from the team and from my leg, starting from my leg. Definitely. And I think uh, when it comes to my biggest surprise, as we wrap up our final one here, uh, I think the biggest surprise was that Max Allegri actually gave Fabio Moretti 
four starts <laughs> at the end of the season. Sure, there was nothing <laughs> truly riding on those games for Juventus, but you look at the chance that Moretti got, and then you look at what has come out this week that Moretti is, at least right now, barring any kind of crazy summer development, he's likely to be confirmed as a full-time senior team player next season. That is uh, very much a a path that Max Allegri has not gone down very often, uh, especially as Juventus manager. So if obviously Fabio Moretti impressed Max Allegri enough to have people thinking or people within the club essentially telling people in the press that, you know, Fabio Moretti is good enough to stick at Juventus and not go out on loan. So uh, Fabio Moretti coming up from the under 23 side at the tender age of 18 and doing what he did in a short uh short spell with the senior team is is the biggest surprise to me simply because the season was so damn frustrating and there are not a lot of surprises that popped in my head outside of Fabio Moretti. So there you go. And that that was so, you know, weird because I, I remember he had so much praise for, for another youngster, Pagioli. And you know, he, he was like the one that was oh he's just such a gifted player and whatnot. And that guy's on loan. Like he didn't get that that treatment of sticking around. So for a guy that you know, he definitely didn't have at least so much public praise for him to be like, no, he he's actually good enough to stick around. I mean, it, it, it makes you excited for the for the new savior of, of Juventus midfield. That's right. And and uh, although Fajoli, I mean, the way he played in Serie B is likely to get him a really hard look this year too. Um, yes. And that would be, I would love to see Miretti at the base of the midfield and Fajoli a little further up doing attacking stuff. That would be nice to see at some point in the future. Uh, my surprise is, uh, is going to be Luca Pellegrini. Surprise, first off, that we actually kept him because <laughs> it, looked, it looked like they were really determined to try to pawn him off again somewhere for most of the summer. Um, but first that he, that he stayed and then that he, he played very, very well. Um, you know, I, I, he, he's never going to approach, you know, you know, peak Marcelo levels of, of playing, but at the same time, I think he played well enough to have, con- like, as you said with Miletti, to, to have confirmed himself as a, as a Juventus player. And, and at the very least put him in the discussion with, with, whether you know if anybody gets gets signed over the summer, he he should still be on this team. Um, he's and and you know he's he's got some skill. He's he's a great crosser of the ball. Um, you know they they they've got him. They had him taking corner kicks a lot of the time that he was on the field, which was interesting. And also, and and like we've we've said this in the podcast before. He just sorry, Couch. He just plays like a little. <laughs> and. <laughs> We don't have a lot of that anymore. Like, you know, we had it with with guys like uh, like Stefan Licksteiner and 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 some others. And but we ne- we haven't had that in a while. And it's nice to see he's got that, you know, he's got a little bit of a grinta quotient. He's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and he's gonna use it. And and I think he's I think he's done very well this year, and I want to see him continue at Juventus. Yeah, my my biggest surprise is actually going to be uh, how how very badly received Juba's fourth kit was. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> I, I liked it. I mean, it was it was in line with their other collapse. I thought it was kind of fun. Uh, now, my 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 actual my actual biggest surprise is is actually our keeper is Wojciech 
Chesney Tech. I'm sure I, I'm sure I butchered his name, but the Tech <laughs> Walsh, however you want to call him. Uh, you know, I, I thought I, I thought after he the way he started the season. I thought he was going to disintegrate for sure. I mean, he had such a bad start of the season. At worst, when we're still talking about, you know, oh, how could we could be closer to the Scudetto and whatnot. At the end of the day, it didn't really end up mattering because we were so far out. But when we were still kind of in that race, you could look back and be like, he's responsible for like at least like six points with how badly he played when, when the season started. You know, having the reputation that he had up until I believe up until the season that you know he was kind of like a, a very temperamental player, a guy that that kind of really let his emotion show. And if, if he was feeling not not very confident, like he was going to show that on the field, like he was going to screw up, like he was prone to mistakes, and he had that reputation. And even though he had been very solid for Juventus, you know, up until now, like at the very first indication of him making mistakes like that that narrative immediately continued to take hold and and honestly like when the season started i was very much ready for him to implode and for matia perin to get a, a shot at, at being the actual everyday starter and it didn't even really seem so far-fetched with the way he was playing and you know to his credit he turned the ship around i, I thought he ended up being one of the most you know solid even saving juventus a lot of times this year once the once that kind of rough stretch for him ended, I thought he was really one of our better players. Like he was really good, really safe. He kind of stopped making a lot of mistakes. Like he just was solid. And I don't think, you know, when it's all said and done that that we're going to remember Tech as, as this, you know, all-time great keeper for Juventus. But for a, the guy that that kind of inherited that that number one from Gigi Buffon was always going to be held to a, you know, to an, you know, impossible to reach standard. Uh, but for a guy with his history, for a guy that didn't really have the, the, the pedigree or the reputation of uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma, for example, that everyone wanted him to be kind of like the heir, I think he has done very well. And I think he bounced back very well from that early season stretch. And I was honestly very happy to see it because I think he's been a, a really good player for his time at Juventus. He has overachieved in the terms of the expectations that we have from him. And listen, being the starter for Juventus, like it has a lot of responsibility, a lot of tradition. And I think he's, he's worn it well. And I was happy to see him bounce back and, and not get benched. And I think at the very least for next season, I think he's going to still be the starter and you know, he, he deserves it. And, you know, who knows? I don't think he will. I think probably next year they're going to start looking at, at, at other guys because I think, you know, he's, he's not the youngest guy and they always do kind of have a, a long-term solution at that position, but I think he's done a really good, he's a really good job during his time as a keeper and happy, happy that he turned it around. So he's my, he's my biggest surprise about the season. And he's a penalty killer. Let's, let's not forget He's that. so good at stopping penalties. That record saves. on penalty kicks is insane. Yeah. Like he's so good. Like that is crazy. Like quick, Puebla FC parentheses. I know everyone loves those. Our keeper is also like super good at stopping penalty kicks. And it was such a fun season just to have a keeper that, you know, always has a shot to stop, like always has a shot at stopping a PK with both Juve and with my hometown team. It was just so fun. That's just such an underrated trait. And when you have a keeper, that's actually really good at doing that. It's just so, so, so much fun. It's just underrated aspect. Probably one of the most enjoyable things this season. How good tech is, is, is a stopping penalty kicks. And then you look at what the, the season Donnarumma had, especially in the Champions League uh, knockout rounds. 
And you think, yeah, I'm pretty good with that. I'm pretty good <laughs> with that choice. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's funny because with penalties, it's like, I know. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but whenever a penalty is given, I've, I've just written it off as a, like, well, that's a goal then. You know, like whenever it's just given, I'm just, I've already written it off. But indeed, yeah. With, with, I wrote about that, I think, in a grab bag. It's like, what's a bigger, like, momentum type of type of thing in a game like stopping a pk or scoring a goal i legit think it's stopping a pk i think that's just such a such a huge momentum swing and it's even such a way bigger of a bummer what a season we had considering how many of those we actually had and we just completely failed to take advantage of yeah i mean you know not not to get too derailed but yeah good, good to watch Half the time when they do score, he's guessed the right way. It's just too yeah. executed too well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's forcing the player to have indeed the perfect penalty. You know, like yeah, putting him into that position. Um, yeah, I was actually going to take Walsh as well. So uh, for this uh, for this category, so that's a funny coincidence. No, I'm going to go for uh, Daniela Rugani for my uh, biggest surprise. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. oh yes, oh yes, yes. Tremble. In your feet. A lot of hot takes on this podcast. Yeah, a lot of I know. <laughs> Tremble, all ye. Abandon hope, all ye. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, genuinely, like, surprised me for, you know, his good form this season. I mean, he, he you know, kind of fell off a little bit towards the end of the season. I mean, he had injuries and then, you know, yeah, just kind of, uh, Gialini got fit uh, temporarily. But, um, but still, I mean, I think he overall had a really quite a good season and and just the fact that he has played well enough to the extent that he is actually genuinely considered as an option for a center back um you know for the club that to me is just more useful first of all very surprising <laughs> um the biggest surprise and just extremely useful to, to the club um you know i mentioned earlier about this whole uh, thing of like when a player you've written off kind of comes back and feels like a new signing oh yeah i mean this is this is that situation again of you know, the player feeling like a new signing and, and Rugani will, you know, obviously Chiellini's leaving and Rugani will, I mean, definitely be competing for a center back spot. And I mean, I suppose we'll get another center back to fill sort of ish fill a Chiellini spot, but um, yeah, just the mere fact that he's even in contention for a spot, uh, Rugani, that is, um, that's, I mean, already just, like I said, beyond surprising to me, uh, pleasantly surprising, of course. And uh, yeah, long, long mate last. I mean, he's still, uh, I think, 28 years old. So for defender, I mean, the man still has a career. The man still has some years to go. So, hey, you know, here, here. Do you have any sort of rebuttal, Sergio? <laughs> no, I, I actually, you know, when the season started, both Mattia De Silvio and Daniele Rugani were kind of my easy, easy, easy joke, like easy punch back. And to Rugani's unending credit, like he honestly played really well in the second half of the season when they needed him. He legitimately played well. There, there were stretches of this year when I thought he was actually even more solid than like a Bonucci type of guy that was kind of bulking and struggling a little bit. Like he legitimately played well for a stretch there. And and unfortunately, he was, I mean, he, he commits the, the mistake that kind of dooms the team against Villarreal and you know, that, that kind of, his season kind of took a, 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 you know, a dip from there. But up until that moment, even when he was starting against Villarreal, I was like, good. Like he was, like he's legitimately informed, like he's legitimately playing well. I thought, you know, he, for the first time since probably his first year at Juventus, actually showed why he was so highly touted and why he like showed so much talent. 
like I thought that was the Daniel Rugani that we were getting, just a very good, dependable, solid defender. You know, like, like Chuck said, I agree 100%. His form dipped in the end there, but I, I honestly feel a lot more content with just being like, oh, well, if he sticks around as a third, fourth choice backup, I'm good because he actually showed something. And Matthias was going to continue to be my punching back. That will not change. But <laughs> Daniel Rugani, kudos to him. Like he, he actually, he played better than almost everyone expected this year. All right, guys, any final closing comments before we wrap this thing up? Like I said, to me, the two big things kind of going into next season are, I mean, obviously Vlaovic is just, uh, you know, not being so, not being so peeved off at referees all the time. Like every, I mean, every time almost he falls down, he, he like has just this death stare at the referee. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, just like, I get it. But you know, what is that going to do? What is that going to help? Um, so, I mean, he's just got to cut that out. I, it, it annoys the hell out of me. Um, actually, sorry, three things. Uh, and then the second thing, like, like I said, with Allegri, you know, he just has to evolve his, his coaching style. I mean, we can't, we can't have another season of just this, you know, score one nil in the 10th minute against Venezia. And then while batting down the hatches lads, cause we're, you know, we're parking those buses all the way up to, to Paris or something. I don't know where, but you know, he's got it like that. I mean, I, I, like I said, I defended that for a while, but we just can't have that anymore. I mean, just got to have something else to, to offer. And uh, yeah, not, maybe kind of a, Second shout out. Yeah, maybe I should have taken this as my surprise, actually. But Alvaro Morata, if he stays at the club, um, just his, uh, I guess, mini rebirth once he moved to the left wing was, uh, yeah, really useful to the team. And and I wonder if, you know, kind of like how Cuadrado kind of, you know, prolonged his career by kind of shifting to right back. I wonder if, if he'll just, uh, if Morata will kind of, I don't know, add a second win to his career as a left winger. So, you know. Let's uh, see if that happens. I just want to see, I want to see more Miretis. I want to see good young players out of the youth system being given time and looks. I want to see, I really want to see Nicola Fagioli and Nicolo Rovella getting serious looks this summer and, and hopefully potentially some serious minutes, especially, you know, if, if the rumors about Rabio in the Premier League are true, and, you know, if we can pawn our tour off to um, no one actually, still no one actually went off on him today. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> if we can pawn our tour off on, on Arsenal or something like that, that opens up two slots and that, you know, that lets you keep a lot of these young guys. Sure, add Pogba, somebody like Pogba if you want, but like, you know, let, let this, let this come up through the, remember what, remember how we started the cycle of success in the first place was understated signings and a bunch of guys like, especially Claudio Marquisio finally finding their feet as younger players coming up. It's the same thing with what's going on at, at Milan and how they managed to just win the title. So yeah, I, I want to see more opportunities given like the one that was given to Minetti given to other young players you know if you know is there a problem at right back get Coney de winter up here let's see what he really has in something that isn't just a dead rubber group stage champions league game let's you know that sort of thing i want us that's what i want to see just on my, on my end and i don't want to spoil too much because i'm, I'm you know teased I'm, I'm in charge of the the coaching review for for the season ratings so i don't want to give too much but you know if you were so inclined as to you know give this team a mulligan for this year 
it was just such a horrid, horrid season in terms of of injuries, in terms of things just going wrong, in terms of things just having poor, poor luck. And it just felt felt that way. Like you felt it every single step of the way, just how nothing broke right for this team. Just, you know, we were starting about this season being the season in which Chiesa becomes the best player in the league. Dude tears his ACL. He's pretty much a non-factor the entire year. You know, it just it was just one of those years, uh, just a season of hell in general. And you know, you want, obviously you want to keep that optimism. You know that you have talent and you have the funds to really make this a quick turnaround. So if we're making kind of like a, what do we want for next season? It's just really, I think water finding its level and just kind of, you know, things don't have to go everything break the way of Juventus, but at least some things I think will start to break our way. It's just water finding its level. You can't be unlucky all the time. And as long as this team remains healthy, as long as Max Allegri actually has a full deck of cards to play with and a full squad to play with, I, I, I still think this team can bounce back and have a much better season next year. But hey, we have to have one of this eventually. And even if, you know, the only probably the only good thing to come out of it is that it forced the squad into the much needed kind of like squad renewal that we needed. And I wrote about it in the last, in the, in the graph back of the last game, we're talking about probably seven to anywhere from seven to 10 players departing the team. And I, I think I've never seen such high turnaround from one year to another as in the you know, last 10 years or something. And I think it was needed. I think it was very much needed. I think this team had kind of stagnated and they had to do something to break status quo. And if they have to do a full rebuild, I think at least this season was kind of like the, the trigger for that, you know, squad rebuild and for that kind of restructuring of the whole team that had to happen. And, you know, if we have to have a season like this for that to happen, hey, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, t- I'll take just one horrible year instead of just like continuing, you know, just mediocrity. I think this, this is what they needed in order to just go complete rebuild and, and start fresh and, my hopes are are high because I really have no other recourse because I cannot, <laughs> I cannot have another season like this one, guys. Like I just, it, it, it was just such a bummer from beginning to end. So, so I got to stay optimistic. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You're hopeful because all other options are positive. All right. Well, that, that wraps things up for our season in review episode. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, as Sergio Tees, we will have our uh, season positional ratings coming out uh, in the, over the next week. So uh, this is kind of like the appetizer to the main course of that. So I uh, hope you all enjoy those. Uh, as always, if you want to follow us on the Twitter machine, I know we didn't have Twitter questions this week, but if you want to follow us there as well, send us questions. Feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on Twitter. On Facebook, we are at Black Ampersand White Ampersand Red all over. Same search tool for your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to give us a nice rating and a review. And it's the off season now, so please send the, send a lot of Twitter questions in. Yes, send Twitter yeah, questions. Please. Yes, <laughs> because we don't want to be talking about the same transfer rumors over and over again like we did with Manuel Locatelli last summer. <laughs> so for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, Sergio's very enjoyable background music, 
and producer Kausch. This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. 